0: We are in our second part of our series on our culture. At Agape, we, we like this word culture because I think culture supersedes value. Oh, thanks, that'll work. Look at this fancy glass bottle. Voss, am I allowed to say that on the podcast? I don't know. Shout out, Voss. If you wanna sponsor me, Voss www.agapemn.com slash (laughs) give, (laughs) boss. Anyway, uh, we love this word culture here because to me, culture, it kind of uh, supersedes value. It's it's what we value, but uh, it, it supersedes it and it's beyond value because I think culture is more than what you value, it's part of who you are. And so we love that here at Agape, um, we feel like we're not just building a church based off values, we feel like we're building a culture of, of people. Um, and so our culture has kind of four main aspects or components or whatever word that you want to use, uh, they, they make up our culture, they're the four main things, and, and their community, we talked about that last week, process, uh, we're going to talk about that next week, Pastor Connor. Whoever he's at is going to preach on that. It's going to be awesome. Um, community process, presence, and action. Community process, presence, and action. We like to say that everything that you do creates culture. Whether it's good culture or bad culture, that's up to what you are doing. <laughs> but everything that you do creates some sort of culture. And so that's why we like to be really big and focused on, on what kind of culture are we creating here? Are we creating one of authentic community that reaches out to people that says, you don't have to believe what we believe to belong here? Uh, are we creating a culture of process where we say, uh, I might disagree with you on something, but... Uh, we're slowly becoming more like Jesus. So eventually, one of us will realize that we're wrong, and uh, one of us might be right, or we're both wrong, but we're just trying to become more like Jesus together in our, in our process. It's, it's a process. Uh, presence. That's what we're talking about today. The presence of God. And I'm going gonna, gonna to expound upon that way longer for the next 25 to 50 minutes. Um, <laughs> presence and action. Faith without works is dead says in the book of James. So I believe that we need to be a culture of action and a people of action. That's why we're doing a go and love project once a month. Um, action. It's its big. It's a big part of our, of our culture here. And so if everything that we do creates culture, then knowing our culture and living out our culture is the most important thing we can do as a church. And so We're going to start every single year with a four-part series on our culture, so get used to it. I'll preach different passages and stuff, but it's going to be the same for culture aspects every year, Um, and so get used to it, but it'll be a good reminder. So today, we're, we're looking at presence, presence, more specifically, the presence of God. Sorry. The presence of God. And so to take a closer look at this, we're going to open up, if you have your Bibles, if not, it's going to be up on the screen, and we'll read together Psalm 139, verses 7 through 12. It says this, where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to the heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. Sheol is a different name for hell. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. I'm going to read that one more time. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day. For darkness is as light with you. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your presence. God, we thank you that we can't escape your presence, that your presence is everywhere. That wherever I go, there you are. In my mistake, in my mess, in my misinformed identity, in in my uh, misdirections, in the wrong steps, you are there. God, so we just thank you that your grace and your presence covers our mistakes, covers our shortcomings, Lord. We're just so thankful for who you are and that your presence does not ever leave us. God, we love you so much, and I pray this morning that, Holy Spirit, I'll I'll follow what you're leading and I'll preach your word. And I I just ask for open hearts to hear and receive what you want to say. Heal us this morning, God. The broken, the people with heavy burdens, Lord, we pray that those burdens are lifted off. We pray that they they recognize and see you a little bit more clearly today. Lord, and we do lift up a special prayer for the Green Bay Packers. In the NFC Championship, we know that the G stands for God's team. And so we trust you. We trust you with this game. In your name, amen. I want to speak to you guys this morning from the subject, The Paradox of Presence. The Paradox of Presence. Now, I have one two-year-old daughter, and she's literally the best thing ever. Um, it's unreal. If you haven't met her, y- you'll hear her at some point, and she's, she's, she's the best. Um, and we have another daughter on the way, which I'm excited for, but it's a little overwhelming. Um, because I decided to go ahead and plant a church and be a good idea. (laughs) Now, before we had Maisie, our first daughter, I thought that I had some sort of grasp, like, on on parenting. Now, you, like, like, I knew a little bit. I know, I was smart enough to know that you're never really prepared. But, like, I was mentally prepared for the diapers, um, for the tantrums even. I was like, that's that's part of it. Mentally prepared to be walking through Target, dragging my daughter while she's on the floor by her hand. You know what I mean? That whole thing. I was prepared for it. Um, I was prepared, as you can be, for not sleeping that much, which is really hard. <laughs> um, luckily, we've been blessed with a horrible sleeper, so we really got that one. And... Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I went down the checklist. I was like, I'm prepared. I'm prepared to put her in a timeout or whatever. Discipline. I thought I, thought I was prepared. What, what I wasn't prepared for, though, was the creepiness. <laughs> anybody with kids know what I'm talking about? Especially, like, with a two-year-old or a toddler or anybody that's raised kids. The creepiness aspect of it. Two-year-olds, I'm convinced, are the creepiest being on the planet. Or maybe it's just my kid, but she's creepy. Um, <laughs> two quick stories. Um, she just learned how to escape out of her crib. And so during her nap, when she, when she wakes up, um, she gets out of her crib. And now she had been doing this every time when she woke up. Luckily, we got her to sleep and stay in the crib. And then when she wakes up, she, she's right out. Um, and so I'm looking at the monitor. She's awake. She's crawling out, so I go into her room. Now, typically, she had been doing this really weird thing, which was kind of creepy, too, where she lays under her crib, and just her head is poking out. (laughs) So so I walked in one time, and I was like, whoa, whoa. Um, But then I got used to that, and then this specific time, I walk in, and I just am looking right at the ground because the light casts right onto to where her head was usually popping out. And so I'm looking right there and I don't see her. And I'm like, what in the world? And so I, I'm thinking, am, are my eyes not adjusted? Like So I look completely under her crib. She's not there. Um, I'm looking all around her room and all of a sudden I hear, <laughs> and I turn around And she's just sitting up in her chair, (laughs) sitting there, in the dark, (laughs) like a killer. (laughs) And I was like, oh, jeez! Like, I was so freaked out. It was so creepy. And then the other day, we were trying to get her to nap, and it wasn't working, actually. So I lied. She doesn't always nap. She doesn't always stay in her crib. but sometimes the trick works of, I can leave the door cracked open a little bit, and for whatever reason, that calms her down so she falls asleep, most of the time. Uh, and so her bedroom, her door is like here, picture a door, and my chair is like here, so her door is behind me. And so I'm sitting on my chair um, reading, thinking she's, please go to sleep for the love of God. And so I'm just trying to not think about it and read. And now in her room, She has a sound machine going because we decided why not raise and create the most high-maintenance being on the face of the earth. So we're going to get her used to a sound machine, so she has to sleep with this. Otherwise, she won't sleep. Uh, So her sound machine is going, and it's just a white noise in the background. And now I'm sitting there, and you can hear it faint in in, in the distance. And all of a sudden, it's (sighs) like... And I look behind, and so it gets louder, louder, and so I look behind me, and I just see the door open up a little bit. (laughs) And then shut. And so I'm looking at the door, and I actually got out my phone and I recorded it. I'll show you the video after if you want. And I'm looking at the door, and I'm like, what is she doing? And then all of a sudden, at the bottom of the door, the very bottom, I see reach around little fingers and clasp the door, and she starts opening it up like a crack and then shutting it. And I can't see her face, but she's literally spying on me. <laughs> and I'm like, we need to get a counselor. So I'm sitting there, and I'm just watching her hands slowly, and then she slowly opens it. And eventually, she, after like a minute, she realized that I was looking at her, and then she opened it all the way, and her little eyes poked out, and she had a cute little smile, so I was like, okay, she's not a demon, it's, it's okay, but it was really creepy, and in her creepiness, she, luckily, she really loves me a lot, which I'm really blessed um, that she, she loves me, and when she comes here on Sunday morning, I can hear her from in here screaming, Daddy, out in the, <laughs> the lobby, and it's the best, um, be jealous because it's great. But, but with that comes a cost. And that's that it seems like I can't escape her, no matter what. Like she's, <laughs> she's right here. She wants me to bounce on her trampoline all day and, and I love it. But sometimes, you know what I mean? I just need a minute or at least 30 seconds to breathe. I'm introverted. I'm not, I just need a second, okay? You can't get it with a two-year-old. It's like, you can't, I can't escape. Can't escape her. Um, That's really how it is with God. We can't escape his presence. We cannot escape his presence. If you want to throw up the first two verses... David talks about how, he says, where shall I go from your spirit or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in shield, you are there. We cannot escape the presence of God. And listen, that's good news this morning. That means that no matter where you go, God is. No matter what you've done, God is there with you in your mistakes. No matter how far off track your life seems to be, or how out of focus the presence of God is, you cannot escape His presence. And so I want us to know this morning that feeling distant from God is a lie. You ever say that? I feel so distant from God. I don't, I don't feel like He's close, He's everywhere. Distance or space between you and God is, is a lie. Especially if you follow Jesus and you've given your life to him, we literally are the, have the indwelling of the presence of God within us. If God is in us and around us, then distance is impossible. So I can't be distant from God. I can't escape God. There's nowhere I go where he isn't. There's nowhere I've been where he's not. And right where I am, he is. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes I get the picture of God in my head that he's like some cosmic teleporter. Anybody, or am I just alone in this? A couple people, thank you for making me feel better about myself. I picture God sometimes as this cosmic teleporter, and I can't escape him. So, like, if I'm trying to run away, he's going to beat me to it because he's faster, he's smarter, um, and he's quicker, and he's one step ahead of me. You know what I'm saying? Does anyone else picture God like that? Yeah. I can't escape him, and he's, he's teleporting everywhere. But, listen, God is not one step ahead of us. He's completely beyond us. The presence of God is, he's not some teleporter that goes from place to place. He is all. He is everything and everywhere. God's everywhere at the same time. His presence. It's so far beyond us that wherever we've been, even in our past, he's there. And our future, he's there. Now, To understand and to believe that you can't escape God's presence and wherever you are, he is, it can either be the most terrifying thing or the most comforting thing. It can be either terrifying knowing that I can't escape God, so I can't hide from him. There's nowhere I can go that I can escape his presence. That can be terrifying or it can be the most comforting thing knowing that No matter what I've done or where I am or who I've become, God's presence is still near me. And I think depending on how we internalize that depends on our view and our understanding of God's love for us. If I don't understand how much God loves me, then of course I'm terrified that he's everywhere that I am. When I understand and I wrap my head around the fact that God loves me and he accepts me for who I am, where I am, mistakes and doubts and fears, and he accepts me and he loves me for that, then I am so comforted by the fact that I can't escape him. There's nothing I can do that can separate me from God's love. He loves us so much that he is always there. He's made a way for us to have eternal, permanent access to his presence. And he loves you. I want to speak to the person who doesn't understand that you are accepted by God. And a relationship with God starts with acceptance. You don't have to get your life together to be accepted and loved by him. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to walk on eggshells. You don't have to live in doubt anymore. You can just know that I am accepted for who I am. You do not have to change yourself to be loved by God, but the love of God when it genuinely enters your life will change you. So it's not on me to change myself. I don't have to fix myself. I don't have to clean myself up. I just have to be in his presence. And then he does the fixing. That's how good his love is. And when we understand how much he loves us, then we are comforted. I can't escape his presence. Even if you don't believe in God, his presence is real. And you can't escape it. Is that good news this morning, church? And God's presence can change you in a moment. God's presence can change you in a moment. All you have to do is is come to him. And understand, I'm accepted right now. Moving on, if you want to throw up the next. It says this, if I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. You ever think to yourself, like I made a wrong decision, in life, took the wrong job, went to the wrong school, was with the wrong person, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And then think because I made that decision, now it's all screwed up. Now I can't, now I'm not in God's perfect will. Now I can't be led by Him. Now I'm not where He wants me to be. And I, I missed out. I took one wrong step. And now, now I'm missed out. It's done. It's over with. He can't use me. He can't redeem this. Yes, he might still love me, but the plan is screwed up. I think that often, there's this one thing I think back to, and, it, and it's a lie, but I think back to this one job I was interviewing for um, when I was in college. It was a youth pastor job at this church that we went to, and they, they brought us out for the weekend to interview there, The church was in this small town in Illinois, and it was literally in the middle of a cornfield. Take, actually, like you, and it was like harvest season, so you couldn't even see anything. Just corn, (laughs) and you drive through the corn, and you're at church. Super weird, and so we show up early, and I don't know what to expect. Like, this will be great, us and five people walking through the corn, um, And church starts and we looked and it was like over a 1,000 people at this church. It was just huge. I'm like, what is going on? And so it was, anyway, it was this great church. They were awesome. And then um, I turned them down. I I decided to take another church. Now, they didn't actually get to the point where they offered me a job, so I can't be like, oh, they offered me? And I said, no, I'm not going to claim that and act like I had all these offers. I was just talking with them, I interviewed, and we were in the process, and then I took my name out of the hat. Um, but I think back all the time, because the youth ministry was, was large there, too, and that's what I would have been leading. And I think back did I, I messed up. <laughs> I was supposed to take that job and be out there in Illinois. And I'm like, I, I missed it. Uh, now that's a lie. We know because where we are and where God's taken us here. But I don't know. I feel like I get wrapped up in that stuff a lot, a- and I think that I think that my destiny is in my hands more than it actually is, and I think that I'm in more control than I actually am and that's when the weight of everything starts to pile on and I I have the wrong perspective of, of everything that I'm doing but I love this passage because David says even in the uttermost parts of the sea your hand shall lead me your hand shall lead me. He doesn't just say that even in the uttermost parts of the sea, your presence is there. And he doesn't just say that even there you're going to be holding me. I love he uses the word lead. Even in the uttermost parts of the sea, your hand is still there leading me. And so I need to tell someone this morning that thinks that You made an irreversible decision that that you feel like you're stuck alone on an island in the sea and you made the wrong mistake. God is still leading you. He still has a plan for you. He still has a purpose for you. And His grace is so much bigger and, and greater than your wrong decision. God's grace is greater than our decisions. God's grace is greater than our messes. God's grace is greater than our mistake. So even in that mess, Even in that sea, even in that loneliness, He is there leading us. There's a plan for you even when you feel like God can't use you anymore. That might be the perfect position to be used and to step into your true destiny. If God can lead us out of the uttermost parts of the sea, then no matter where we are, He is still leading us. And if I don't believe that, then then I don't understand God's grace. And I'm taking it all in, in my hands. So have hope even if you feel like you took a wrong step. Maybe your wrong step isn't even a wrong step. It just feels like a wrong step because it's hard. But when we're in those hard seasons and those hard places, that actually only leads us to more dependence and more intimacy with Jesus. And so I wonder if that's the right place for us to be. I wonder if Jesus had to take us away, take us out, and bring us to a figurative sea to show us how much he loves us. To show us how good his grace is. To show us how much he wants to use us for and to show us that he hasn't given up on us. And to teach us to depend on him and to love him and to follow him. And to show us that no matter where we go, his presence is there. We can't escape him. Last two verses, they say this. Matt, you can go ahead and, and come up. It says this, if I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day. For darkness is as light with you. I love that promise, and I love that perspective. What's dark to you is light to God. What's unknown, listen, what's unknown What's hidden from your sight is in full view and sight of God. It's lit up and it's light. God knows your next step even if you don't. I just have to trust that he does. I have to trust that the darkness that I see is not darkness to God. And listen, if we're, if we're full of his presence as followers of Jesus, then any dark situation is actually light And so if I'm full of God's presence and I'm full of God's light, then darkness ceases to exist. Then fear ceases to exist. Then unknown territories in our lives cease to exist. Then doubt ceases to exist. Then the loneliness and the despair that you sometimes feel, it ceases to exist if God exists within you. That's the power of of his presence, but the paradox within his presence is that everywhere I go is his presence. It's everywhere, but it's not experienced everywhere. God's presence is everywhere, but I don't experience it everywhere. And I don't experience his presence because Choose not to embrace his presence. So I want to talk to us about, talk to those who feel like I'm distant from God, feel like God doesn't care about me, feel like I can't, I don't know where he is. I wonder if it's that he's right next to you. It's just you've stopped embracing him. Because his presence is everywhere. Everywhere. It's not experienced. So we're always in position to be in his presence. And listen, God's presence is not just something that we're meant to abide in. It's something that we're meant to live with. We're not just meant to abide in his presence, but we're meant to go with his presence. I think when we get that right, then we begin to experience his presence more. When I say I'm not just in his presence at church, I'm not just in his presence in the morning, I'm bringing, I'm going with his presence Everywhere. So when you're in a traffic jam and you want to cuss the person out in front of you, God's presence is with you. When you're at work and you feel overwhelmed and stressed and you, your boss is giving you more tasks than you have time for, God's presence is with you. When, when your co-worker is talking bad about you and you want to go back and talk bad about them, God's presence is with you so that you can love them. When you wake up in the middle of the night, again, because your toddler pooped, you got to change your diaper. God's presence is with you. In your loneliness, in your despair, in your fear, in your self-deprecation, God's God's presence and His truth abide in those places. I want to give an opportunity, if there's anyone in here um, it says, I haven't been going with God's presence, maybe because you don't know him, and you don't have a relationship with him. As I said early, earlier, God's, a relationship with Jesus, it starts with acceptance. So even when you feel unqualified, you are, because of Jesus. Jesus is the qualifier. See, I think we're all created by God to be in relation with God. And the, uh, w- the barrier between us and God is our sin. Because God is perfection and, and sin makes us imperfect. And those two cannot coincide because imperfection perfection would no longer be perfect. And so in order for me to be in relationship with God, I need to be perfect. Now that's an impossible task. But Jesus came and he lived a perfect and sinless life. And then Jesus died on the cross carrying our sin figuratively. And so that when he died, there was a way that was made an avenue between us and God's presence and now uh, it's like a lens that God looks at if we accept Jesus and believe in Jesus then when God looks down it's a Jesus lens so he doesn't see our mistakes he sees the perfection of his son and through Jesus we can be in communion and relationship with God and that's how we have eternal access to his presence and we could take it wherever we go we could feel that peace that doesn't even make sense amidst chaos we could feel a joy that that overshadows and overrides any depression that we might be carrying It's through Jesus, it's because of Jesus, and all we have to do is is believe in him, and then our journey starts. Then we can start to become better, but we are accepted first. So if you're in here this morning with every head bowed and every eye closed, nobody needs to know your business, but if you want to say, Jesus, I want to come to you this morning, and and I want this relationship, I want to be accepted by you today, I want to give my life to you, just raise your hand. Awesome. I just want to pray real quick over the hands that were raised. You can put them down. It was just saying that, Jesus, I need you and, and showing your faith. Jesus, uh, we just lift up these people who, who raised their hands this morning. Lord, I pray that you'll meet them where you, they are and that you'll just cover them with your acceptance and your grace and that. They'll embody your presence and learn how to, how to walk with you. Learn how much you love them. Learn how much you accept them truly for who they are. We ask this all in your name. Amen.